Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
going on uh, a whole bunch of different places, starting out at uh, the Joe Grumbine public figure page. So welcome you all to join that. Share it around if you can. Um, this is a very unique kind of show because it's all about the truth. It's all about... Um, it's all about reality. It's a reality show without the shit. It's a live, in-depth look at a bunch of people that are trying to make a difference in the world, that are trying to end prohibition, that are trying to stand up for each other's rights, that are showing up to battle day in and day out and doing what's necessary. I just got hit with some bad news that uh, shit on my head like a ton of bricks. And I'm going to show you all what it's like to show up. So many times we have uh, an event, uh, an activity, something that needs to be done, and I hear excuse after excuse, I can't come because this happened, I can't come because that happened. Well, guess what? Shit happens. Happens every day to everybody. And what's going to happen if we don't do something about it is it's going to get worse. What's going to happen if we do something about it is it's going to get better. The world can be anything we decide we want it to be. And if we decide we want a world where people don't get locked up for cannabis, we can do that. If we want a world where people don't take advantage of each other, don't cause harm to each other, we can do that as well. might be against human nature, but we can do it. We've had a lot of uh, a series of, of difficult events this year, a lot of violence, a lot of um, things that just don't make sense, you know, and, and people come up with their reasons why, and there, there are things about this and things about that, and I'm not here to debate anything. I just want to throw my two cents into it. Every act of violence is caused by an individual, typically, or a group of individuals, and they all have done something that probably could have been seen ahead of time. I, uh, there's a, an occasional... Um, it, an occasional, uh, what's the word, whatever. Every once in a while it doesn't happen that way, but the truth is most of the time, most of these people that do these things, these violent acts against innocence, have done something that says, wow, I could have seen that one coming. But we don't do anything about it. We don't do anything about violence in this world. People commit violent acts against each other all the time. There's domestic violence a huge unreported, undealt with problem in the world. Children doing violent things, we make excuses for them. We cover it up. We turn our eyes the other way. Uh, rapes, probably one of the least reported and least dealt with issues, violent issues. I just say this. What if we demanded our public officials and our law enforcement to take care of of people committing violent acts against each other? What if we made that important? What if we demanded that violent crimes be dealt with accordingly? Probably there would be more people that have committed violent crimes in jail and less people that have committed no crimes or nonviolent crimes or victimless crimes would probably not be in jail so much. Just saying. Something we could do something about. Okay. Um, check off that one. I realized something today, and this is a show that's called A Cup of Joe's, so guess what? I can talk about Joe for a second. Most of the time I talk about the world, I talk about 
what we can do to make it better. Uh, I talk about what you can do to make it better, what I can do to make it better. But I noticed something today, and I just thought I'd throw it out there. I don't know if there's anything to be gained from it or not. I'm a person, and I'm just uh, sitting there working today, and all of a sudden I just had an epiphany. And I noticed about myself that I tend to be uh, a very uh, kind, affectionate person to people that I don't know very well and to people that I'm somewhat close to. But as people get closer to me and I come to trust them and rely upon them and they become part of my life in a, in a more meaningful way, I find that I am not so affectionate. And I don't know what that's about. I just noticed it. And I think maybe it has to do with uh, being a practical person. Maybe it has to do with being a person who's trying to accomplish something. And when you realize that a person's going to be there with you and for you, whether or not you hug them and kiss them every time you see them, you maybe put that aside a little bit. I don't know why I'm even going there. It's just something I noticed. Maybe it's something useful to somebody else as well. All right. Kind of going all over the place today, but I got a list of things. That's what happens when I do a list of things. It makes me go all over the place. So let me run wild, and I'll probably be more focused. All right. Members, Human Solution is a nonprofit grassroots, all-volunteer membership organization. We've been doing kind of a membership drive lately, and we've created a members-only page on our Facebook, and I just encourage everybody to consider stepping up and deciding to become a member. Um, it's cheap, it's easy, and if you really don't have funds, we'll cover you somehow or another. You can work yourself into it. Um, we're going to talk today about our UCCA project, a really big project. We're going to take a chunk of time with it. But first, we have our first guest, a man that I met up in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Um, we talked about that trip. It was an amazing trip. I met some amazing people. And um, I spoke at an event that they put together, and it was really a great event. And um, when the event was winding down, I, I met a man named... Uh, Todd Ian McDougall, and he has a, a, a podcast. He has a, an alternative media outlet. He's a writer, a, a journalist, and I got to interview with him, and I got to listen to his point of view, um, his speaking ability, his communication skills, and it seemed that he has a passion for getting to the bottom of things as well. I seemed to, I, I saw a kindred spirit. And I said, you know, one day we should get together on this show. So today we have the pleasure of having Todd join us from Winnipeg. And uh, let's get started. Todd, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine, Joe. How are you? I am doing great. So uh, Can you hear what me has been going on? I, I, I didn't uh, take a whole lot of time to, uh, uh, to give your background, I thought I'd let you do that a little bit. Tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the kind of work you're doing. I, 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 we have a very kindred spirit, but I bet you have a better way of telling it than I do. <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for that little intro as well, too. If you, uh, if you thought you weren't doing any kind of a solid intro justice there, I'm going to say no way. That was great, even just by uh, mentioning, uh, liking, uh, you know, sort of uh, the way I the way I talk and how the, you felt a kindred spirit there. I'm going to say that's uh, that's a compliment enough because you yourself 
I felt the very same thing and you yourself come, come across the way you speak as a very uh, creative and intelligent man. And of course, uh, you know, look what you're doing here. You're running a, you're running a show here where you're like championing free speech. So of course, um, who doesn't love that? If you, if you don't, well, uh, you've got a lot of problems on your hands. Um, and with that, yes, that's, that's Winnipeg Alternative Media in a nutshell. Uh, and I will mention that, of course, I'm doing my best to rebroadcast this show on, on our platform as well, too. I know there's a lot of good people in Winnipeg here that are going to be wanting to hear it from, uh, well, whether they're hearing it here from uh, Winnipeg Alternative Media or from you, I wanted to do my best simply to just rebroadcast as best as possible as well. Um, so we are uh, we're a truth media, free speech championing uh, alternative media platform that has been around since 2013. Uh, we're also very involved in a lot of different forms of activism here in the city. Um, so we have put on rallies. Uh, we've done a lot of work here with the uh, marijuana activist community here in Winnipeg, uh, namely one person who was even who's done a lot of work in government and with the mainstream media here in Winnipeg and Manitoba as well, uh, Stephen Stairs. Um, and uh, we, we have, you know, whenever the whole 420 uh, thing comes up and everybody gathers at the legislative building here in Winnipeg, um, you know, we've done something where we always want to try to, uh, you know, turn, provide some actual intelligent, responsible activism and not just, of course, let the media always have their field day with, uh, you know, a bunch of shots and a bunch of articles about a bunch of, you know, all oh, the stoners went and sat on the grass at the legislative building again this April 20th and, you know, try to make us all look like fools and talk about how many arrests were made when people walked off the grounds. So we've always done our best to get out there and even held other rallies, not just on April 20th, to provide the actual platform for real conversation about what's the reality of government legalization, what is decriminalization, what are your inherent sort of God-given rights, how should those be protected, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, and that's the way that we sort of attack a lot of different societal and political issues as well, too, is sort of what are your inherent God-given rights? And hopefully you believe that you have some. I know there's a lot of people out there in this world that apparently don't even know that they exist. Um, yeah, and um, things of that nature. And, you know, try to provide uh, sort of a platform for citizen journalism, right, using the great tool of social media and everybody having a smartphone in their back pocket to uh, do all kinds of different lifetime opinion reporting and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and, and uh, open talk and conversation about the way Winnipegers, uh, you know, are viewing their world. And uh, I think that's, um, all, that's sort of like really uh, what alternative and truth media should be doing at all times. Uh, no matter what maybe some of their main interests might be, is, of course, it's about give the uh, open media availability um, back to the people so, as best as possible. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Um, you know, you talk about inalienable God-given rights, and regardless of whether you believe in God or not, somebody gave you those rights. Somehow you got them. You were born, you breathed your first breath of air for free. At that point... You have certain rights and responsibilities, maybe not so many responsibilities when you're born, but certainly rights. I, I, the Human Solution is, is a civil rights organization, and I want to be very clear about that. We're not a pot group at all. We just happen to champion this cause because it's just so ridiculous. It's, it's so ludicrous to think that a government that's supposed to be of, by, and for the people would come up with the idea that we're going to not allow people to have a plant. Um, yeah, we could go on and on from there, but the the premise of our stance is this is just 
a, a, a right of privacy, a right, a, a freedom to put something into our body, a freedom to do something that doesn't hurt anybody else. There should be no limits on that whatsoever. And I think that when we focus on things that get to the core rather than, you know, get stuck on, on, on a legislative, um, you know, comment or, or, or a semantics of some sort or another, but if we actually just focus on the core of what this is about, it really, you can insert anything into cannabis and say if it doesn't hurt somebody else or take away somebody else's basic freedoms, then what's your problem? And, you know, I think that if more people could wrap their heads around that and just look at it from that point of view rather than accept the fact that the government owns our freedom to do this and allows us these certain little exceptions here and there, um, I, I, well, why don't we just take the whole cake and maybe give back something if we feel like it? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's always maddening in so many different uh, areas of, of current culture and, and current, uh, you know, we'll just talk about, you know, close to home. You know, you're there down in California. I'm up here in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And, um, in so many areas of, of sort of North American, Western civilization culture, um, you have sort of the, the statist, that, them, you know, that person who believes that uh, government mummy and daddy will always give you the answer, will actually keep you safe, uh, and will always do right by you. It's, it's amazing that in 2017, uh, that, that sickness in culture, that disease in the human mind, and that is an absolute uh, spirit killer, a soul crusher, um, still is so prevalent, uh, still exists so strongly. Um, and it doesn't matter how bad things can seem to get in what other, whatever area of culture um, or politics or society, there's always a gigantic throng of people who... And, I, and, you know, of course, we have to understand sort of the psychology as well, too. I mean, really, it's, it's, it's actually bad to go further into judgment and wanting to sort of, you know, uh, and make fun of these kinds of people. Really, it's sad in, in the end. It's, it's sad that they don't have the will to have more independence and to fight for more independence. It's sad that probably most of their forefathers did have that, and all of a sudden, a few generations later, it's lost. Um, it's, uh, it's, and, and it's, and it's also, um, I can be empathetic as well too. I mean, I, I understand that the average person just, you know, wants to make sure he's comfortable. You know, I got a job, I can take care of myself or my children, my family, and, you know, and there's so much else that I just don't care to get concerned about. But we have always seen, I think our species has always seen where that mentality gets us, you know, absolute power, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Right. So no, the more, the, the more people will give the mummy and daddy government, the availability to make them feel that way and not just simply want more basic choices and responsibilities in their life, then of course things will always progress worse and worse. And there will always be the next worst demon politician or demon uh, you know, resource landowner, internationalist banker, whatever that is going to scoop up as much uh, that they can get because no one's there to protect it, and nobody even would know how to if they actually knew that maybe they should. Um, 
And, and that's like marijuana right there. You know, you've got a case where we had warned for years that, uh, and especially when Justin Trudeau got in here in Canada as prime minister, you know, buying young votes, buying the vote of the younger uh, individual by, of course, making himself seem like, you know, such a cool, young, uh, hot new prime minister. Look, hey, I don't look like I'm 50 you know, because he's not. And most politicians that eventually become president or prime minister are. And so that was clearly played up on. And I know by the younger vote on the whole marijuana thing, because, you know, hey, I'm going to be the party prime minister or whatever kind of crap that was uh, supposed to look or seem like. And then we were warning right off the bat, like, don't you know that if he pushes for the legalization and starts to get it, that the, the medicinal portion of what you think is really the proper human rights in here, take care of the patients first and all that, ain't going to happen the way you think it is. Uh, the, oh, no, we're all just going to go party and start lighting up joints nationwide, ain't going to happen the way you think it is. Um, but taxation's going to happen the way that we know it is. And sure enough, now that we're less than a year away from Canada legalizing marijuana, what was the first major conversation put down on the political table? Taxation. Of, of course. course. It so it was mommy and, daddy, down. mommy and daddy government, again, taking care of you like you asked them to. So you asked them to, so, oh, yeah, they're going to take care of you, all right. They're going to take care of <laughs> all of your rights, and they're going to send them down the river, all right, and that's it. So uh, all of the old hippies out there in Canada that really thought that it was so great to see a young hip prime minister come in and protect their precious plant, no, no, you're wrong. And it's too bad that you probably had a better idea what this fight was when you were younger. And I get it. Now you've lived your life. You've had to go through having a family and pay taxes uh, endlessly and watch taxation get worse and worse in every account. And you, you forgot what it was like to actually kind of go like, well, independent choice is kind of cool. So you ask government to step in on this and you should know from what they've done to every other form of taxation in their entire history that when they get a new commodity on board, it's going to be taxed to hell and back. Hey, Todd, I have a call yeah. coming in from a, a man serving a life sentence in federal prison, and he calls in every show. His name's Craig Cecil, and uh, he's in, currently serving in Terre Haute, Indiana, a life sentence for pot, and he's on with us right oh, now. Craig, welcome to the show. Hello, Joe. Hello from Terre Haute. How's it going today? Well, I think you'd be surprised to hear what I'm holding in my hand. It's, it, it's 8.30 here in Indiana, but uh, I'm holding my supper in my hand. So you're getting my, fed today. My supper, my supper is, a, is a bag, you know, that fits right in the palm of my hand. And our, our supper is uh, in a prepackaged bag called an Uncrustables. By the Smuckers, uh, the Smuckers Jelly Company. Oh, geez. What this is, this is the center of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich cut out in a circle. And uh, <laughs> about the size of the palm of your hand. And this is what they've given us for supper. Wow. According to the label, to the label it's 320 calories. So that ought to carry you for about an hour. <laughs> well, hey, you're, you're lucky the school, the school kids don't get to bring peanut butter to school anymore, so I'm glad that the prisons don't have the whole allergy thing going on, because I love peanut butter. I'm just well, kidding, though. Know, uh, uh, a funny dinner. Craig, um, I, I'm, I'm talking right now with, uh, with a journalist from Winnipeg, Canada, 
from Manitoba. Remember uh, a month or so ago, I, I went up there and I and I met Todd, and uh, he's a a free speech, a a, a human rights advocate, and uh, he's a journalist up there with uh, um, an alternative media up in Winnipeg. And we were just having a conversation about, you know, how ridiculous it is about all of these, uh, you know, uh, people relying on their government to, uh, uh, you know, allow them to have a certain rights. And in the end, what ends up happening is they, they take all your rights and then they take all your money and then they give you back a little something and take even more money. Um, but I, I want to share something with you, Craig. Um, Remember last week or the last couple of weeks, I told you about that um, uh, Rohrbacher Amendment um, that's stuck in committee right now. Um, we've got a, an alliance, a, a coalition called the UCCA that we've put together, and it's a, um, it's a group of groups and individuals. In fact, some of the people that you know have splintered off from the human solution have actually become part of this and are, are helping out. And what it does, it's, it's the closest thing we're going to see anytime soon to the federal government letting loose on their Controlled Substances Act. And what it does is allow states' rights. It allows the states to um, decide if they want to allow um, the medical and or recreational use of cannabis. And the problem is this, this bill right now is, is going to die on December 8th if we don't do something about it. So... Uh, a bunch of us got together, and we've been sitting on a couple of conference calls over the last couple of days, um, and we drafted up a letter that we're going to be reaching out to our elected officials, and we put a press release together that's going to be launched um, tonight. And essentially it, it shows the unity of um, dozens, hopefully hundreds or even thousands of organizations when we're done, um, standing together, and it, it talks about, you know, why it's so important, because we've, we've nailed down that there's 190 million Americans, and this doesn't even touch Canada, but this is a specifically an American issue that we're dealing with right now, uh, are, are affected by this, that there's literally 190 million Americans that would or, or would choose to use cannabis if they felt safe doing it. And if this if this amendment to the Controlled Substances Act was to pass, it would open the doors for that to happen. Now, granted, our work would not end at this point, but it would at least, you know, put a crack in the wall and, and you know, give a place for all those states that are standing on the Federal uh, Controlled Substances Act saying, all right, we can't do anything because it's federally illegal. It would give them a chance to say, well, I guess we can. And I think it would be sort of the uh, the shot heard around the world. It would be the domino that started pushing the others over. And I think we'd be literally a few steps closer to truly ending prohibition. Well, more importantly, I got to start to want to just jump in here, Joe. Uh, that would be something that I would do my best sound, sound the alarm on that because if it does happen to go through, well, first off, people should start writing. Um, all of their, uh, you know, write your senator, write whoever you got, uh, you know, uh, locally to say, to take a look at this act and, and move, move it through. Hey, Todd, and hang on one second. Take... Todd, Craig has about 10 minutes, not even 10 minutes left. He's calling from prison. So we got to, I'm trying to give him his, his time to talk. And I, I, I apologize. Um, but 
I, this is a chance that Craig gets to kind of speak to everybody, you know, from where he's at. And the time's probably about halfway over. So let's let's give Craig his chance, and then as soon as he's off, we'll we'll continue on. Yep. Go ahead, Craig. Sorry about that. It's 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 a it's a difficult dynamic to do this what we're doing here. Well, I, I definitely agree with his opinion, though. Is I, I'd like to see everybody. I mean, just sit down at your computer and uh, and email your representative, email your senator, and say, you know, this is what we want. We want this to move forward. And even, you know, send something to the to the media. Send something, you know, to the news people. To you know, any kind of op-ed thing and say, you know, this is what we, the people, really want. And you know, make it so that they can't keep ignoring uh, the marijuana thing at the behest of, you know, the like the drug companies that don't want to see, you know, marijuana unleashed on the public because it would take out so many sedatives and so many, you know, psychotropic-type drugs. I mean... The resistance is coming from all the wrong places, and I think you could make the strength come from the right places by contacting the the people that make a difference, the congressmen, the, the senators, and the like. Absolutely. Um, go ahead, Todd. Uh, if you wanted to address Craig, I, I, I just try to make sure there's room for everybody. Oh, no, no, that's absolutely, uh, sorry, um, you, I didn't know how long you had, but uh, thanks for stopping me, because, of course, uh, every minute of his time is extremely valuable, then, for sure, and it's wonderful to have someone, like, uh, good for you, Joe, for getting someone, like, I guess, Craig on here to, to do something from that perspective, that's absolutely perfect, um, but, yeah, I was just going to say that, even further than that, of course, the activists, really, then, after the emailing, and especially if it really gets moved forward, it's about putting it further into action, and then, jumping on, you know, okay, here's how we fast track the medicinal use, here's how we fast track the, you know, the, the right to grow. And as soon as if that act actually gets passed or if it becomes uh, something even that's going to be close to being passed, then that's when everybody really has to jump on and say, uh, you know, this is all the ways we need to see this being used. This is what this has to stand for and this is what it has to mean. And a big thing about that would be also, I would say, it has to mean something for the imprisoned supposed criminals, um, if this moves forward like this, then of course those guys have to have their cases completely taken another look at, and we want to see that high on the list. Absolutely, and, and one of the things, Todd, just so you understand, um, we're not going to end this until anybody that's locked up for pot is out. There's just no reason Absolutely. in the world that anybody should ever uh, be in prison for this plant. And, and, yep. and, you know, there's lots of reasons that you should be in prison for, um, but the possession, cultivation, transportation, sales, or any other goddamn thing that has to do with cannabis is not one of them. No victim, no crime. Mm-hmm. And Craig yep, is absolutely. a man who had no victim, so he does not belong there, and he's he's currently serving a life term. It's just unfucking believable Yeah, that's disgusting. And I, I... Go ahead, Craig. I was just going to yeah. The Bureau of Prisons officers, and uh, and they'll stop me and say, you know, hey, you're the one. Is it true that you really, you know, as a first-time offender, got a life sentence for marijuana? I mean, I still get that question from the from the guards in the prison. <laughs> They're surprised by this, and uh, and it's really amazing that that all this goes goes on right in front of people, but.
Well, it, yeah, you it, had it, one it, evil judge, man. One evil, evil judge. Wow. He must have even had his own judge friends looking at him after that, going like, "You did what?" Oh, it, it's so true. Unbelievable. And it's not just the judge; it's the prosecutors, the U.S. attorneys. It's 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 a whole uh, broken system. It's a corrupt system. We were talking about corruption earlier, and mm-hmm. uh, the power that a judge and a prosecutor have in their own little world affects so many people. And you know, Craig exemplifies. Uh, the reason why we need to keep going until it's over, um, we're going to be working really hard with a couple of the, uh, with one uh, lifer that got out last year, uh, we're going to be working really hard to kind of poke at all the industry people and try to get them to come on board. Uh, Unfortunately, for the greater part, the industry has abandoned the movement, and there's all these people making tons of money um, still acting illegally, but feeling self-righteous and, and loading their pockets with cash, and they don't want to do anything to help out the poor people that are that are left behind. And we're not going to la- leave anybody behind. It's just it's just unconscionable in my eyes. Yeah, well said. Because so many movements now. There's even uh, companies that are. Uh, launching businesses to get seed money for marijuana businesses, and they're launching these things through the stock market. But everything, you know, everybody's so scared of what the federal government's going to do. That they, you know, everybody's kind of peeking out from behind the tree all the time. It, it's really kind of sad when it's really what people want. Well, this is really the time when everybody should stand up and everybody should take a step forward. And it, it doesn't need any one person to do all that much but if we all did a little bit if we all did a little more and every day we did a little bit more and and got smart and thought about it and 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 got together and talked about it and planned it we could end this we could make it any way we want and i just it it drives me nuts sometimes uh to hear the rhetoric of, of all the people with their legalization and their their taxes and their regulations and their ideas that that it's okay to be imprisoned this way and meanwhile we got still dozens and hundreds of people locked up, and Craig is one of many that are still locked up, and unfortunately, there's still more people getting locked up all the time, and you just don't hear about it. You just, it, it's, it doesn't make the big news, um, n- not enough anyways, and I think that's just one of the things we need to change. Yeah, I would absolutely agree. I agree. I think uh, if we're to see relief, it's from... You know, those are people like you that are shining the light on us behind the behind the razor wire here. And uh, speaking of Canada, this call is from a federal prison. Canada recently went on a binge, even if I remember right, against the the Prince Pot in Canada. But I mean, going after people that nobody else really considered to that they were even committing a crime. And it's it's yeah. sad that you know the government exerts this kind of power that the average person on the street, you know, doesn't want to see exercise. I don't think I have ever seen a single situation where the government flexed its muscles and raided a place or locked up an individual or a group of people and the community rallied behind the government. I've never seen that happen. It's always apathy or or a little bit of sympathy for the defendant or the or the 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 convict, but I just have never seen anybody get behind the government when 
they're flexing their muscles in this war. Yeah, no, neither. I think you're right. I mean, it's easy to see, like, the recent prosecutions of the, you know, people that have been sexually harassing women or raping them and everything else, and the American public is all behind that, but the law enforcement is barely touching them. <laughs> but yeah, like you say, they're going after the people that own medical marijuana dispensaries and things like that, and the public just... It's just kind of slack, John, you know, as to, you know, how can this be happening? Well, Craig, there's your first beep, so I'm going to give you the floor to finish it out. Okay, well, I just want to thank you and and even your obvious reaches into Canada to shine a light on those of us that are in prison for, for a plan. And uh, as you point out, the, nobody can point to our victims and people like me serving life, and right now, over the rail at people that have, you know, shot people, that have robbed banks, that have done all these kinds of things, and they've got like five and seven year sentences. There's, there's something wrong with the system that a marijuana offender is in prison for life and violent offenders only spend a mere few years. Thank you for shining the light on us behind the razor wire. Absolutely, Craig. And it looks like you got your last word in this time. Uh, you know, Todd, I, I should have given you the heads up. I never know. Craig usually calls about 15 minutes after, but um, if, if I don't if I don't point it out, it's 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 nothing you would have expected. But uh, every week, Craig calls in and he shares his thoughts with us. And you know, he's been we've actually been able to help his situation more than once. He's uh, been moved around in in the prison um, more than once, and um, he's a diabetic. And the Bureau of Prisons has cut him off of food uh, more than once. They cut off his insulin, and we raised uh, uh, we raised a big stink. We uh, we did a call to action. We put a press release out, and uh, we had a flood of calls and letters into the Bureau of Prisons, and we got it turned around. They gave him his medicine. They recognized that the people were speaking. And then last year, uh, a year ago, um, the the dentist that was on staff decided not to show up. And, you know, if you imagine uh, the health care in a prison system already probably being, you know, one step above uh, the worst you could imagine, um, you get a toothache in prison and you're screwed. It could be the – you can die from it. Um but we did the same thing. We jumped on board and we started belly aching and complaining and calling up the warden and, and filing complaints with the Bureau of Prisons. And lo and behold, the dentist came back. And just last week, Craig said he had a, a toothache or he had an issue with his with his teeth. And he went up and usually it's like a, a four, three to six month wait to get in. But they knew Craig was the one that was instigating all of these issues, they got him in. They put him to the front of the line, and they fixed his tooth. Well, that's uh, miraculous. And, uh, well, uh, God bless you and everybody else who helped you with those efforts. I mean, um, people put in prison, especially for a life sentence, they are the forgotten ones. And if they're there uh, in a completely unjust way, then uh, really they're forgotten soldiers. 
and uh, anybody on the outside who is willing to put some time and effort into fighting for their loss of rights and freedoms and loss of a voice, so on and so forth, of course, um, that's amazing work. So uh, good for you. Um, I, I know uh, myself from speaking to some people that have been through the Manitoba and Canadian prison systems up here that uh, they will sometimes deny you your papers. You know, your lawyer will try to get things to you. Um, and if you're fighting a fight that's a kind of against the system and they don't want you to have a voice, well, then you and your lawyer can talk all you want and they're not, they're going to step in the way and they're going to shut down the process. So again, that then relies more heavily on the people on the outside that are the activists, the friends and family members of these forgotten soldiers um, to step up and, uh, and go to war for them. And uh, as you yourself just said, although, of course, you know, I fought the law and the law won is more so the common belief um, that can be proven to be uh, not the case many, many, many times when people just decide to, you know, uh, put their uh, fear aside and step up to the plate. Well, and I, I think the key is right now I'm on a mission to bring more people together even if they do a little something. I, I think the government has no problem putting a little red dot on, on, on an activist's eye, you know, forehead and, and picking us off one by one as they see fit. But when they see a, a, a dark cloud of, of dust that's the thundering stomps of the angry mob coming at them, they don't like that, and they don't know what to do about it. There's not much they can do about it aside from be violent. And, you know, we're, we're, we're starting to wear thin of all that, and I think, at least I hope we are, but I think that if we, can, if we can show a united force, if we can show a united front, you know, this is not a, a U.S. problem. This is not a Canadian problem. This is a humanity problem. This is a problem that governments of the world are oppressing citizens of the world and it really doesn't matter what flag you're under. It doesn't matter uh, what, what uniform you wear. Um, the problem's the same. And I think that if we can stand together, you know, there's been a, a number of times where there was a case in, 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 in Canada, and we had a number of our members in, uh, in the states doing what we could to be supportive. And the same thing, we've got a nice little chapter in, in uh in Winnipeg, that's that's been you know hugely supportive of of efforts that we've had here in the states. I think that showing that united front is is really important. So what I want to do, Todd, is um, as soon as uh, we'll we'll talk after the show or tomorrow, and I want to get you a copy of that uh, press release and the letter. And um, the direction of it is really that we're just looking to get our first phase of this. This has got uh, multiple pieces of it, but the first thing we're trying to do is get the endorsement of individuals, um, activists, groups of, of all types. It's not just, we're certainly not looking just for cannabis groups, and we're certainly not just looking for patient rights groups, but this is a problem that should bother everybody. And it shouldn't, you know, if, if, if the United States Controlled Substances Act allowed for the use of cannabis, you can be damn sure the rest of the world would be affected by that. And yeah, the, the, the policies of other countries would be affected by that because they always are. And so yeah. I just encourage 
um, in this project is also kind of the pilot of this coalition. And I think that if we can demonstrate our abilities in this one place, um, I think the sky's the limit. You know, we'll learn how to work together. We're learning how to accomplish something as a, as a group of groups, which is pretty darn hard when you get to people and egos and, and all the reasons why people don't get along. Uh, we're, we're demonstrating that we can overcome all of that. Oh, yeah, looking for sort of the, uh, the common bond is um, what continues to be the best way to, of course, put differences aside and really accomplish something. Um, and that's just another thing that uh, has drawn me to and, you know, continues to be a driving force for, like, the work that I do and the work that Winnipeg Alternative Media does, and it should be the cornerstone of any sort of activist uh, alternative media, truth media platform, is the look for the common the common bond, the you know the common tying factors, you know, uh, and sort of almost the, the the simplistic nature of what an individual and then a group of individuals is really looking for, and then as soon as you've got that easily agreed upon, well, then there we go, put it put it to action, put it to work, and of course, um, like we've just been talking about this whole time here, you will be surprised by what you can accomplish. Um, uh, you know, don't let anybody tell you that the history books don't prove that because uh, they're lying to you. Um, they, they, well, and the other side of that different. is history is written by the victor. So it, we can rewrite our own damn history if we decide to take it and own it. And I, I think that one of the things that I, I've, I'm coming aware of, you know, this is all, it, it's all uncharted territory. Everything that we're doing, if there was a, a, a template for it, we'd be using it. Um, but I think one of the things that's important is there's a lot of people in the world that are willing to help, but they're not willing to create something out of nothing, and they're not willing to lead in a, in a, in a meaningful way. And I think that if a few people can get together and show the rest of the people that, number one, we can work together. Number two, there is an action that we can take that doesn't take a whole bunch of money a whole bunch of time, a whole bunch of anything, a simple action that can cause a result. And I think that people will get behind it if they see something that works and they see that there wasn't a huge violent repercussion or there wasn't a fallout, an unintended consequence, that there was just a simple uh, step forward, a simple result that got us closer to our goals. I think we could get more people together to do it. And that's what I'm committed to. Well, Todd, um, I, I would like to consider this a maiden voyage. I would love to have you on in the future, and I would certainly love to uh, participate with some of the work you're doing up there. Uh, the Human Solution International, as its name would indicate, is um, exactly that. We're a worldwide organization, and we want to be part of the solution wherever there's a need for it. Well, I'm very happy to hear you say that because, of course, I could not agree more. Have me on any time, and I would absolutely love to, and we should do more work, you know, uh, more interviews, uh, more reports on anything that we can do to put together. And, of course, you were saying that you got uh, uh, some kind of some, some documents and such you'd love to send me. Send me anything, any time. I mean, I'll give you our email address, and we'll, of course, talk more uh, after the show here. So, uh, no, absolutely, I'm fully on board. I love the work that you and your organization and all your supporters and followers are doing, and uh, uh, I'm all in. Beautiful. Well, as, as is typical, um, 
somebody might want to get in touch with you, somebody that's in the Winnipeg area or anywhere in the world, for the, for God's sake. You, you brought out a huge point. The alternative media is the future of media. We are all the media. We all have one of these, a little black box that can take a picture, can shoot a video, can record a voice. And with that, nobody can get away. Nobody can get away with anything anymore if we don't let them. And we can record every victory, every plan, everything that we're doing in a meaningful way. So how does somebody get a hold of you if they want to? Well, um, of course, we do a lot of uh, live streaming reports. We even just did one just before even coming on the show here tonight on our Facebook page. So, of course, Winnipeg Alternative Media on Facebook, and you'll find us. And then same thing for YouTube as well, too. Type in Winnipeg Alternative Media. You'll have our YouTube channel that has uh, hundreds and hundreds of reports and interviews of uh, you know from all across the uh, the media political societal spectrum. Uh, we are also on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WPG Alt Media, and uh, we're, we're we're on Pinterest as well too. We're working on our new .com, and if you want to send us an email, it's Winnipeg Alt Media. That's Winnipeg A L T Media at Gmail dot com. Beautiful. All right. Anything you want to leave us with? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, well, first off, I wanted to ask a, a question slightly in jest, um, especially all the talk about activism. I guess you being in California there, have uh, uh, have you had to go through a uh, roving uh, gang, a gang of, I guess, jobless individuals that are doing their scream at the sky thing tonight? Have you had to come across any of that? Um, I, I live at the end of a dirt road, so I haven't come upon oh, you're lucky. anybody. Yeah, I... I I isolate myself a bit whenever whenever I can. I get out there and, and I face the world plenty. Um but when it's when it's time to, you know, to do the work I try to I try to keep myself away from it all. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm in the country out here in uh in Southern California, if you believe it or not, there is some. Um and you know, there's everything in California. All the craziness that you've heard about, it's all happening. Um Good, bad, and sideways. I, I ran a, a, a medical marijuana collective dispensary uh, 10 years ago for a few years, and I ended up uh, arrested for the first time in my life at 42 years old and uh, never never imagined the, the battle in front of me. At the same time, right down the street, there's a guy doing the exact same thing I was in a, in a much worse way, untouched, unscathed. It's a, it's a crazy world. Um, mm -hmm. Anything happens, everything happens. But what we're trying to do is control, not control, direct um, the energy of enough people to open up the gates of freedom to the rest of us. And I think that we can do it. And so, yeah, all those things that you hear about, they're happening. I guarantee it, they're happening. But I, I try to keep away from them as much as I can. Oh, you're lucky, and uh, I completely understand the uh, the desire to do such things. I mean, whenever I can get out of the city and head out into cabin country, which is uh, one of the uh, many many reasons that it's always been you know nothing to take for granted to be uh, to be a proud Canadian, is we got tons of cabin country. 
uh, tons of prairie fields out here in Manitoba, and it's a short drive to, you know, it's cabin country and fishing and camping and being lost in the woods or lost out on the lakes and rivers as well, too. So, of course, I'm an avid outdoorsman and avid fisherman and, and you know, camping and survival skills enthusiast. So I always uh, championed that little bit of uh, Canadiana, um, which is uh, sort of the easily afforded option of um, wander outside the city and you can get lost and have your own fun real easy. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so, yeah, no, I just thought I'd put that little joke out there just because there's a whole bunch of really funny stuff happening in all the major cities in America right now uh, with the one-year anniversary of the election and all. Um, but, uh, no, aside from that, I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to put thank you once again for when you came back to, when you came to Winnipeg. And we, of course, uh, hope that you come back again sometime. Um, that was a great night. Oh, and hold, it, hold on, you, you, I, you opened up a can of worms, and I and and the pun was intended. When I went to Winnipeg, I fell in love with Canada, and and the ah. Canadians. You're some of the most amazing people I've ever met, and some of the most beautiful country I've ever seen and flown over. I will be back as soon as your winter's over. I'm going to be up there probably <laughs> May June. I would love, love. I have no interest in your winter. But I have a huge... Spoken like a true landing. Californian, but I understand. <laughs> I was born here. I'm going to die here. But I tell you what, I will be back May or June, and I would love to spend some time in the outdoors with you and uh, and the Davises and, and whoever else we can get together. I'd love to catch a Canadian fish for sure. Oh, that would be wonderful. I'd be all over that. You let me know when that's going down, and I will be there with the fishing rods and tent. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so uh, thanks for the work that you're doing, uh, you know, um, everything that you're putting forward, all of the, uh, all the work that you're doing to grow this platform and get more people involved, um, even just uh, tonight providing the whole thing that I guess you say you do weekly on this show with uh, having uh, a man that's serving a life sentence, uh, you know, come in and talk on the show, all those kinds of things, that rich tapestry of, like, you know, just truly championing free speech and really, the, you know, the voice of reason and, and uh uh, you know, and uh, and intelligence, uh, I think, of course, is always something that uh, should uh, uh, should should be uh, should that easy to gravitate to. It's something that you know, uh, all of us that um, you know have uh, not clouded our the entirety of our minds and souls with uh, with the, you know sort of the the poisons of this of this world and of. Uh, of wanting to be taken care of by government and wanting uh, people to sort of handle most of your major decisions in life and, you know, and sort of, uh, I don't know, kind of be a bit of a cop out as far as what, what it really means to live strong and free. Um, anytime somebody's really working in the way that you are, that puts all these different things together in this rich tapestry, it, uh, it should draw us in like moths to a flame. And, uh, and, it, and then from that point on, it should just continue to grow. And I'm hoping that you're seeing that success. It certainly seems that you are. And I wish you further success in that because it's clearly just the work of good people being honest and forthright. And uh, like I'm saying, that should just draw in people endlessly. And the more effort you put into it, I think, of course, you're going to see just that. So keep it up and, uh, and God bless because you're doing amazing work. And it should be championed to the ends of the earth. I love it. All right, well, thank you so much for joining us, and I look forward to talking to you real soon. Once again, folks, Todd Ian McDougall with the uh, Winnipeg Alternative Media, and uh, just uh, a treat to have you, and we will talk to you soon. You better believe it, Joe. Have a great rest of the night. Take care, and we'll talk real soon. Prairie truth, everybody. 
All right, Prairie God. Truth. I like that. All right, so we got a lot to do, a lot to talk about. We got Charles Lynch going to be joining us a little bit later, and Charles Lynch was one of the first federal cases um, that came about in California, and uh, Charles has been a, a, an activist and a champion of freedom while his case is still in appeal, um, and it turns out that this uh, Rohrbacher Amendment could potentially affect his case a lot. If this amendment dies, uh, it could affect it negatively. If it passes, it could affect it very positively. And all of these things, um, you know, are affecting a man's freedom, or at least the potential of it. I went through a battle for six years um, and never ended up serving a prison term, but I did, you know, get locked up four times. Um, always had that hanging over me, that if things went wrong, I'd be, I'd end up in prison. Almost uh, six years ago to the day, I, six years ago today, I was very near my trial date, and we were in the final days of countdown, and uh, there was nothing else on my mind. So I, I fully appreciate and understand uh, those people that are dealing with it. I want to talk about defendants for a minute. We have a number of defendants out there, we support any cannabis defendant. Unfortunately, um, it's gotten harder to find people that are willing to stand up and support themselves. I'm encouraging anybody who has a case or potentially has a case to make the decision to reach out to a group like ours, or even better, reach out to our group and <clears throat> ask for some assistance. Take a vested interest in whoever you do stand up with because they're going to put an interest in you. It's important. I don't know how many times I get people that, you know, call me up and say, hey, can you help? <clears throat> and then when you don't do enough or you don't do it right, they just go on about their little way. <clears throat> Very seldom, or not often enough, I should say, not seldom, but not often enough, do the defendants that we support lock arms with us and say, yeah, I'm with them. Together we're going to do this. And, and, and when my case is over, I'm going to keep helping others. It doesn't happen enough. I know if it happened more, there'd be less defendants. Truly, not just less that stand up. So if you are a defendant, if you know a defendant, if you're out there supporting somebody, encourage them to be more involved. I know the reason that I'm free today I'm certain of it. There's no there's no question. The reason that I'm free today is because of the support of the people around me and the effort that I put in to get and keep that support. It was difficult, the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life. I had to befriend people that I would have never had anything to do with. I had to uh, ask for help. I had to get out there publicly and speak, which at the time I wasn't into. I didn't want to do that. That was never part of my goal. I'm here now because I learned that I, this can work, that this can be effective. I'm doing this because I think it's important. But I can't do it for them. I can't do it for you if you're a defendant. I can do it with you. I can help you. I, this platform here is reaching now hundreds, thousands of people. It can reach the right people if we do it right. And so I'm just really encouraging anybody who's listening who knows anybody who's going through a legal case right now 
to get up and stand up and stand up for your right. Stole that, but it's a good word, good good set of words. Um, this show and many other shows like it give you a platform. There's social networking. You can get a message out. You can get a message out pretty well. So we also have a calendar. The Human Solution has this great calendar. And if we were to look at this calendar, I'm going to do that right now while we're here, and we're going to type in T-H-S-I-N-T-L.org. And I do that, and lickety-split, I see a link that says calendar. And I look at THSI events, and I look at the week of November 5 through 11, and I see one event on it. Guess what it is? This show. So as far as I know, there are no court cases going on anywhere in the world. Okay, let's look at next week. Next week, November 12th through 18. Nothing. Not one court case in the world. Now, I know that's not the case. I know there's some cases going on. I'd sure love to hear about some people that are supporting them. I think it's really important that we use the tools that are in front of us. I don't know why somebody wouldn't do that. But probably an oversight. Facebook, I don't always go on Facebook. A lot of people don't. If you don't go to an event on Facebook, you may not see this thing. So to have a calendar that's a fixed figure that's there no matter whether you're invited to it or not, that anybody can see, that anybody can add an event to, and know when, where, who, what, and how an event is going on, and that's a powerful tool. But it's only powerful if people use it. So I, certain, I certainly hope that more people decide to use it. It doesn't have to just be for court dates. What if you're having a meeting? What if you're part of a of a collective and, and you're doing an event? What if, uh, who knows, what if you're just getting together to talk with some like-minded people? What if you want to sit around the radio and watch a show? Whatever it is, you can put it on this calendar. There's room for everybody. Let's use it. Let's use it. I want to talk about something that happened this week real briefly. It's something that's really cool. I got a phone call from somebody, and uh, it was somebody who I had met many, many years ago, and uh, they were wanting to participate uh, in some of the things that I do. And I don't make myself that available to everybody, so they had to go through some hoops. But ultimately, we met, we talked, and it's a family. And they have a collective in California, and they're a very patient-oriented collective. And they came over, and we were consulting them and talking to them about this and that and the other thing. And I asked them some questions. I said, so, you know, they asked about the ribbon, of course, and that's one of the reasons we wear the ribbon is because people ask about it. Um, but I asked if they knew or ever heard of jury nullification. They didn't. So we explained it to them. Next thing you know, uh, gave them some brochures. Next thing you know, everybody's got a ribbon on. They're going to be representing the human solution in, in Orange County. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward very much to working with them. It's a family, a, a father and uh, a son and daughter, and it was really refreshing to see a family dynamic working together. And uh, I expect they're going to be calling into the radio show one day and doing an interview as we, as we move forward. Um, every single one of us brings something to the table we all represent a, 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 an element of, of society, whether it's uh, the fact that you're a family uh, person or that you're a business owner or that you're a, a, a teacher or a doctor or a practitioner of some sort. 
we all bring something to the table. I'm going to ask you today, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe you guys just haven't been asked. I'm going to ask you today, will you bring something to the table? Will you come aboard, help out in some way, shape, or form? Can you do it? Can I get a hallelujah? Come on, let's make a decision to do something. Show up. That's it. Just show up. All right. Let's talk about, oh, we got Charles Lynch on the phone. So I want to talk about um, this project before Charles comes on, and then we're going to talk with Charles, and we're going to get into this and everything else that he wants to talk about. So this is a press release that we just that we just put out. I'm going to just basically read it. It's very short. <clears throat> Coalition call to action regarding the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment. <clears throat> and this is a call out to everywhere. That's the where. November 8, 2017, the Rohrbacher Farr Amendment, referred to as the Respect State Marijuana Laws legislation, would prevent the federal government from interfering with the production, possession, distribution, dispensation, administration, or delivery of marijuana cannabis. And if it's in compliance with state law, this amendment is due to, to expire December 8, 2017. That's about a month from now. It's been blocked from receiving, it, and it has been blocked from receiving the war on drugs floor votes. With Trump and Sessions attempting to ramp up the war on drugs, cannabis in particular, it's imperative that we the people speak out. The UCCA has drafted a letter stating the need for this amendment to be allowed to the floor for a vote. We're asking for any individuals, organizations, and groups to endorse this letter. That's the key to this thing. We're asking you to endorse this letter. You do not have to be cannabis activists or a nonprofit. You just need to care enough about this amendment being renewed and willing to endorse the letter. All you got to do is email Becca at THSI. Becca N at gmail.com. And you can send your logo, a website address, a signature, or just the name of your organization to be included in the endorsement section of this letter. We got a link to the actual amendment. It's five or six lines that just simply say we're going to allow the states to make their, cho their choice. Uh, we have a link to the letter that needs the endorsement so that you can read it before endorsing it. The United, States, the United Coalition of Cannabis Activists, the UCCA, was born from the desire to unite like-minded groups, organizations, and individuals with the goal of repealing cannabis prohibition worldwide. Separately, much has been accomplished, but united, we make a statement of standing as one in solidarity, as a force unlike ever seen before in the cannabis world. Becca, we need to add world at the end of that. End. All right, so that is what's going on here. If this amendment gets some legs and gets to the floor for a vote, it will affect so many people. One of the people it's going to possibly affect would be a man named Charles Lynch. Charles Lynch and I have never um, met in person, although we've walked a parallel path. His case was going on a little before mine. Um, his was a federal case. Mine was a state case. Um, I'm going to let Charles tell his story because I don't know it well enough to tell, but I know it well enough to know that uh, Charles has spent uh, a good chunk of his life as a warrior for freedom, just the same as I do and so many of us. And I believe that um, 
You're going to find his conversation and thoughts very interesting, thought-provoking, and uh, enlightening. Charles, welcome to the show. It's an honor to have you with us. All right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, um, you know, we have a broad audience that goes into Canada and all over the world, Mexico, different different places. It's a podcast, so anybody can, can listen in. Um, not everybody knows your story, so I, I want to give you an opportunity to kind of give us a little history about, um, you know, how you fit into this puzzle. Okay, let's see. Well, it's a long story, but I've got it down uh, pretty short, I guess. I can cut it down. But uh, so I lived in California. Enough time, What's and uh, you get pretty good at the Reader's Digest version, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. Or uh, dispensaries for uh, dummies. <laughs> anyway, exactly. let's see. Uh, um, well, I lived in Morro Bay. I lived in uh, uh, the central coast of California there, and I opened a uh, medical marijuana dispensary in Morro Bay. And. Um, I had a business license from the city, and I joined the Chamber of Commerce. The city was all good with it, and then I even uh, went through the process and got a nursery permit for a you know, small little nursery inside the dispensary where I could provide clones. And uh, I opened in March, thir- or actually April of uh, 2006, I think, 2007. Actually, 2006. I've been so long, but so I opened uh, the dispensary, and everything seemed to be going pretty well. And then uh, about a year later, actually a, a day before our one-year anniversary, the the local sheriff and the DEA and uh, all the local all the federal authorities raided the, my dispensary and uh, came took everything. They took all the all the cannabis, all the money. Um, one of my guys was arrested. I didn't get arrested that day. Um, and so the uh, they also took my business license and all my paperwork and all the patient information and everything, you know. And um, it was in the news, a big story there in uh, Morro Bay and San Luis Obispo County. I was the only dispensary in the area there. And um, so then after the raid, the... Uh, I wasn't sure what to do, you know, so the city gave me back my business license. They gave me a new copy of it and my uh, nursery permit and said it was okay for me to open back up. And uh, and the landlord, he was good with it, so everybody was good with it. So I, you know, I went ahead and reopened after the, I got raided. And then what happened, uh, The then the DEA, they, they ended up calling the landlord, and the landlord they threatened to take the landlord's property for him if he didn't uh, kick me out. And so uh, he he gave me my 30 days notice, and I shut down the dispensary in uh, March 2006, I think. Uh, well, no, March uh, 2007. I shut down and uh, um, emptied the place out and kind of just went along my way. And I, you know, I knew something was going to happen probably eventually. And, then in July of that year, the the feds they showed up at my uh, at my doorstep one morning and they arrested me for a federal distribution of you know there was a whole bunch of counts everything they could pile on and uh, 
so yeah, I got arrested and they dragged me into federal court in chains and I had a $400,000 bail. My family posted bail for me to get me out. Uh, actually I went to trial eventually went to trial and, uh, was convicted <laughs> of like five counts. Uh, the, the judge, he kind of, and you know, when you go to federal court, there's not much you can, uh, I mean, they block everything. You can't say, you can't even say medical marijuana in federal court and lots of my, uh, business license and all that didn't, wasn't really considered a, a, an affirmative offense defense, you know? And so, uh, I was easily convicted by the feds, you know, and, uh, of distributing marijuana from my medical marijuana dispensary. And, uh, um, one of the charges they got, they got me on was my employee who, who kind of changed, he kind of caused all of it, all of it, I guess he, they set him up and he sold to an undercover agent down on the, on the streets, you know, and they, they, they tried saying that I sent him to do that. And so that was one of, that was my conspiracy charge. I was convicted on in federal court that. I sent my employee to go sell marijuana to an undercover sheriff's deputy down at the, you know, down on the street, which I did not do that, you know, and there was no proof. The only proof that really that I, that they had against me was that he sold uh, diesel and I had diesel in the shop, you know, that was pretty much the only proof they had um, on that charge. And, and then also check out this other charge I got convicted on was in my business license from the city of Morro Bay, they told me, uh, you know, everybody 18 or older, unless accompanied by a parent was allowed to be patients at the dispensary. And so we had, a, you know, we, one guy, he came in with his uh, parents, he was 17 or so. And then, uh, we had other, we had other patients in between the ages of 18 and 21. And so, uh, under federal law in a drug case, anybody under 21 is considered a minor. And actually, I didn't even, I didn't know that. And so, uh, but anyway, so I got convicted of distributing to minors too. You know, they made it sound like I was down at the schoolyard selling to kids, but, and actually the minor that I was convicted of selling to was my, one of my employees who, uh, who, you know, actually I've, I haven't even talked to him since, you know, and uh, he's a healthy guy moving along through life. He's married. Uh, there's no no men's ray in this case, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so I was convicted of uh, distributing to minors. And then uh, the conspiracy charge, which are, all, you know, they're totally pretty much bogus charges, you know. And then there was another count of operating a drug premises and then um, – there's the charge of oh, oh plants. I had the plants in the nursery, so they charged me on that. And actually, it came down to whether I had 99 or whether I had 100, you know. And uh, and the feds they they're seeking a five year um, five year sentence for me in federal prison. That's their goal. And um, so I got convicted on on those five counts. What was the other one? The other one was uh, distributing marijuana, basically, you know. Um, and uh from the dispensary and um so yeah convicted and then uh, 
went to trial and during the trial to, and sentencing, you know, it took a long time for the judge to sentence me. It took a year maybe before he finally decided. And then he came out and he, in the end, he ended up, ended up uh, giving me a break on, he cut me slack on everything time served. You know, I'd spent four days in federal detention before my family bailed me out. And so, uh, um, so he sentenced me to uh, one year, and now he said uh, he let me slide on all the charges except for one of them. He says I can't let you slide. Basically, this is what he said: I can't let you slide on the distributing to minors because there is no um, escape clause on that one. You know, actually, what happened is they 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 nailed me on mandatory minimums. You know, so I got nailed on some charges that have mandatory minimums on them. And the uh, five-year mandatory minimum on the c- conspiracy charge, and then also the plants and everything, you know. And so the judge, he knew what was going on, and he didn't really like it that much, I guess. And so he – and the reason they were trying to nail me on the mandatory minimums, they're saying because I'm the kingpin, you know. I was the leader. And uh, and so it came down to – and if you read the, the rules for mandatory minimums and how you can – there's an escape clause for it. I can't remember the exact word for it, but there's an escape clause from the mandatory minimums, and there's five rules for that. And one of the the rule that came down to me was was I the leader, was I the kingpin, you know? And so the feds claim that I was the leader and the kingpin, and then the the judge says, well, Mr. Lynch, you know, was following was work, you know, doing within a state that's legal, you know. And so he let me slide on all those charges for the one distributing minors. And he says, I can't let you go on that one. So he sentenced me to one year on that one. And so, uh, so right after I got sentenced, I walked over and filed the appeal papers and, uh, and I've been on appeal ever since, you know, I've been, I lived in California and, you know, 10 years, this is almost 10 and a half years now that it's been going on. And, you know, it's been pretty difficult for me because, you know, when you got all the feds breathing down your neck, shit, no one wants to, you know, no one wants to hire you for one, you know. And I can't be a part of the marijuana industry with all this hanging over my head. So it's been a, you know, pretty much financial ruin. I filed bankruptcy and, you know, and uh, I live in, uh, I left California because I couldn't find any work anymore. And now I live in uh, New Mexico on my family's property and the trailer in the back here and uh, you know I've tried creating some new companies and doing my music and stuff and but still I got like a black cloud hanging over me you know and uh, so here I am in New Mexico it's been 10 years my case has dragged on actually the far the Rohrbacher far amendment it it's been active for like two or three years now you know and my public defenders they made some motions and stuff to try to get me you know to so i would be able to use that law but the feds they've denied it in the ninth circuit they've all kicked it back to the judge and then the judge kicked it back to the ninth circuit and uh so right now it's sitting in the ninth circuit all the paperwork's filed all the appeals are done and and um you know it gets pretty they've made it pretty complicated really you know and they've wasted a lot of time and they've wasted 10 years of my life doing this to me but uh, I guess somebody's got to do it.
and then you know they've done it to a lot of people too you know and um so <laughs> i guess so much for the nutshell huh <laughs> uh, well, no, but anyway but so oh, i i i uh I would give you all the time you need to tell your story. This is this is why we're here. This is what this show's about. This is what the human solution is about and for. I'm I'm kind of surprised that you and I never uh, got close before, but it doesn't matter. Here we are now. Um, I, I I feel for you in a way that probably a lot of people don't. I sat in a lot of federal courtrooms. I, I fortunately didn't have a federal cases. I had more than a thousand plants. I'd be facing a tenure mandatory minimum if the feds ever got on to me on my case so i know the fear i feared what you went through um the whole time i was going through a state case um but let's get down to to you know kind of what i was hoping to discuss this rohrbacher amendment initially it, it was it was uh submitted in 2013 and it died in committee and then it got resubmitted and here we are we're down to you know, if it doesn't move forward by uh, in a month, it's going to die again. And, um, you know, we're a 501c3. We're a civil rights group. We're, we're not a, a lobby group or, you know, we're not out there typically moving forward on legislation because, you know, we're more about the core of it. We're trying to just end prohibition once and for all, and the laws are part of it. But the way people think and talk and act are, are more important, really, um, and jurors knowing what they can and can't do or should or shouldn't do. But this is a, an opportunity that we have, and we form this coalition that goes outside of our, you know, our 501c3, and it enables us to take an action like this legitimately and, and, and with vigor. Um, and I really want you know, you to realize that you are one of the reasons that I took this cause up the way we did not only that I I believe in it, it's one of the only laws I've ever supported. I've never supported any legislation before in my life because it's all full of shit. But this one here was elegantly written, and it will accomplish that thing that will unlock the door for you and, and a number of other cases that are sitting in appeal right now. Um, so I want you to know that, you know, your case specifically is one of the talking points that we are using right now as we're – uh, gathering support for it. Literally, yesterday we had a conference call and finished the the language of the letter. Today we finalized the press release, and tomorrow we're going to begin uh, circulating for endorsements. Um, so I just I hope I, I hope uh, that this can help you. I think that it can, and I and I really believe that this effort, if we can get this thing off the ground and and get the endorsement of um, even one or two, uh, you know, known figures, um, a number of larger organizations, um, you know, people in organizations that we're connected to once or twice removed. If we can get them behind it, I believe we can get this. I, I believe we can get this amendment back on the floor and actually get a vote on it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I actually, I, you know, definitely need the amendment, but the the amendment is weak, you know. I mean, uh, it stopped – actually, it's kind of stopped the feds from prosecuting people, but now there's the – kind of like I'm right on the cusp, you know. I'm like already convicted, but I am on appeal, 
And so, you know, I'm, and I'm trying to use that law and they're saying, well, you know, it doesn't apply to you, you know. And I'm like, what? You know, it doesn't apply to me. What do you mean? You know, you're still spending money trying to throw me away, you know, in jail. And so the, I'm right on the cusp of that. And then there's the other end of that where there's people in jail, you know, like Lance Glore and uh, uh, Sidunsky and some other people who are serving time still, you know. And so, if, you know, if I can win my thing here on my appeal with the Section 542, then maybe the, the same thing might apply. The feds can't spend money to, to jail these guys any longer, you know. But it's so weak and it has to be battled out in court for so long, you know, that it's it's ineffective, really, you know. And everybody knows what the solution is, is to, you know, you got to reschedule, uh, deschedule marijuana because as long as marijuana is in the Controlled Substances Act, then the Controlled Substances Act is like it, it uh, overrules pretty much anything else, you know. But uh, or that's what I've seen in my case, and basically what the judge said in my case at one hearing. He says the Controlled Substances Act is the law, you know, and so he couldn't just tell the feds to stop prosecuting me, you know. But uh, maybe the Ninth Circuit can. They're going to have to decide here pretty soon. And, and actually, it's right. I'm not right on the cusp again. The damn law is about to expire, you know, and they haven't even decided on my case, you know. So, but uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's what we need. We need it. For, we need it for now. But we got to really work to solve the problem, you know, which everybody knows the solution to. I think. Well, absolutely, and I, I think that just so you know, um, this is not an end game for us by any means, but it's a it, it's an action that I think that is a a doable action. You know, you're you're a hundred percent right. You get it in a way that most people don't. The only way we're going to end this is to just actually end it, to, to, to decriminalize this plant. But there isn't legislation on the books to do that right now, and an executive order wouldn't do it. Not that we would get one out of this president, but it wouldn't do it. So the, the truth is right now, as we are sitting here looking for something that can, that can at least attack the Controlled Substances Act, there isn't anything else out, out there that's even really close to doing anything with it. And I, I know that, you know, you're right. It's it's certainly not the end game. Um, and, and where you're sitting, of course, you know, everything you have, you know, hanging in the balance, your freedom, even if it's for uh, shit, if it's for a week or a month or, or God forbid, a year, it, it, it's a huge deal. And, and for, you know, anybody who's never been locked up, you don't want to be locked up. It's, 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 it takes humanity away. You mentioned Lance Glore and Aaron Sandusky. I, I was friends with Aaron um, long before he got locked up. We were there at his trial, um, and uh, I'm, you know, good friends with his fiance. I I know Lance through his mom, um, and we've been there for him as well, it, and so many others. Craig Cecil was on the show earlier today, serving a life sentence. Uh, it's it's unfathomable it's heinous what the government has done and is still doing and is willing to do um i think that it's important that we stand together in whatever way we can i think that that's you know really what my message is mostly about right now is that we just need to you know put aside whatever our differences are and 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 find a way that we can stand together and and you know, do what we can, whatever that is. Obviously, 
you know, we need to get some elected officials into office that, that have some common sense and some reason. We need to change some laws. We need to remove a whole bunch of laws. You know, if we just repealed all these laws, uh, we wouldn't have any problems at all. It would be treated just like a plant, just like a business, and we wouldn't have any problems with it. But I think we're just so far down a different hole right now. I don't know, I don't know how and when that's going to happen. What do you think? Um, you know, what do you think about uh, about groups like ours and about you know what what we can do to to work better to to help a case like yours and and some of the others? Well, uh, gosh, I'm so out of the link right now. You know, being out here in the middle of nowhere, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I've gotten a lot of support from the people, of, you know, from the people of the state of California, you know. Um, but actually, I'm kind of disappointed, like the state, the actual state of California, you know, like state authorities, uh, you know, haven't really done much. You know, in the beginning, the city of Morro Bay, you know, they kind of, um, you know, they were supportive, but in, in, you know, everybody's kind of long forgotten my case, you know, and and a lot of other people's too. And, uh, so I don't know what, what the solution is, you know, but the, the only thing can do is keep fighting and, you know, guys like you that they are out there doing it and appreciate the, uh, the support, you know, and then they're, you know, at my last hearing, quite a number of people showed up, you know, but, uh, again, you know, they're regular people. There is no state authority, no, nobody from the state of California, you know, that came to help or has done anything really, you know, to help me while they sit there and make billions of dollars on taxes and all that. They leave all us out to, to battle their federal battles in federal court on our own, you know, which is kind of, uh, I've kind of got a little chip on my shoulder about that, I guess at this point, but I, I took the challenge, you know, and so I'm, I'm fighting the fight and I'll just keep going until they drag me into court or I get my freedom and you said you know i've actually my freedom i haven't had my freedom for 10 years actually i've been i have to report to the feds every week i've been i was drug tested for four or five years and uh so my freedom is an illusion at this point you know but hopefully it'll come to me and many others it's just i don't know what the solution is you know but uh just keep up the fight i guess <laughs> well let me ask you charles i i, I i'm here I, I, I'm here to hopefully begin a relationship between my organization, myself, and you, and your your case, and and ultimately a solution, a true solution. Um, you know, if, if I had a n number of people that wanted to help you, what could we do? You know, if 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 there was something that you say, you know, it's it, I know it seems like it's it's insurmountable. It seems like, you know, there's almost nothing can be done. We need this person or that person. But what if what if we had a dozen people from around the country, around the world that just said, you know, I heard this guy's story, it it got to me. What can I do? What would you want what would you want us to do if there if there's something that we could do to help? Well, you know, I've been down and out for quite a while and I've been looking for work and so, you know, I've uh, if I had some work, that would always that helps, you know. But being out here in the in Farmington, New Mexico, there's not much for me to do here. I've been struggling to try to create things, you know, to generate some income. But so I mean, I don't uh, even the basics for me at this 
this point are a struggle. You know, I've been my, I have zero income and my family's been helping me out and there's been a lot of stress over that, you know, but so some work would, would be welcome, you know, and I don't know, actually, I don't know if, and if there was like some really big lawyers, you know, that wanted to get involved in my case or something, you know, that, uh, you know, I have federal public defenders, and actually my federal public defenders, the original lawyers, they're all gone, you know. They've all moved on, and I have a – now I have a, a federal appellate attorney that uh, – and she's a great person, you know, and she's spent a lot of time on the case. Um, but, you know, I mean, there's not not a single California attorney or nobody, you know, is really – it shown any interest in my case or any of these cases, but you know, it is federal. And in my case, they even threat the feds even threatened my attorney, my state attorney I had, and they scared him off. And so, you know, I don't know. So some legal help, some financial help, and you know, I, I don't know what that's the basis. I, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to reach out to you after the show. And uh, I'm, we'll, we'll talk more about this. I I think I I didn't realize the situation you were in, and I I your situation is ripe for the kind of help that some of our members are willing to to help out. So I think a lot of times just identifying what can be done um, opens the door for those things to happen. Um, I'm going to take a personal interest in this case. And, and and in your case, and um, you know, after the show, or probably tomorrow would be a better time. We can we can talk in the morning a little bit more about um, about what we can do, you know, in, in, a, in a real way. I we know people all over the place, and it really doesn't matter where you're at. Um, somebody knows somebody who's nearby, so maybe we can. I mean, I don't know. I I never I never see a situation that can't be helped. So. Um, the legal side of things, I wish, I wish we had more attorneys willing to do more things. But we're working on building a, a legal clinic um, through the organization, and uh, little by little, we we have a, a few attorneys that are stepping up and wanting to help. You know, we have a 501c3, so we can offer a tax break to anybody who helps us, um, and we can, you know, do things like that. So there there are things we can do. We have tools in place. Um, to do kind of anything. So, you know, yeah, I'm going to do I, what I can to put something together for you. Okay. I appreciate that. Also, you know, like the people that should be doing something too, are like the senators and stuff of California, you know, the Kamala Harris. and uh, I know Pelosi, she's not going to do nothing. And Feinstein, she's not going to do nothing, but they should be doing something, you know, especially since California's get going wreck, you know, so, I I think a lot more pressure on those people that the existing people who have the say, you know, need to be pressured a lot more, I think. Well, I think that we can put together a project um that will I uh, use your case as as it's thrust. Um we're we're going to get this one project off the ground. You and I'll talk. Um we'll see what we can do to to create a call to action. You know, you never know who knows whom, and you never know who does what, what will come from it. I know this. If we have a little bit of direction and a little bit of hope, we can do anything. So 
I mean, I can't promise anything, but I, I can promise that I'll, I'll get with you tomorrow and we'll talk about it more. And, you know, I, I, I wish I had known your situation earlier, um, how, how it was. I really didn't know a whole lot about your case and, and, um, I'm glad we at least had a chance to talk and my hope is that people will reach out to me through the show and, and offer some sort of help that I can bring to you tomorrow. Okay, I appreciate that. Hey, uh, I got one other little tidbit for you. Go ahead. So, uh, so one of one person they hired me to build them an app, you know. So I I worked an iPhone app for and a marijuana app. I won't go into detail on who or what, but so I built. I spent a lot of time, way way more hours than I charged them, you know, three or four hundred hours building this app. And the first hundred hours or so, I submitted a version up to to Apple to and they approved it you know I says all right yeah, and it actually it was approved for the store and everything so well I went back and we kept working on it another couple hundred hours and I finally got it done we're ready to to put the app up in the app store and uh and now Apple they've denied the app <laughs> because oh, no. uh, because of the concept you know and so so I, you know, I can build apps and all kinds of stuff. You know, what's that? If somebody were, were you say, you know, you're looking for work, it sounds like the kind of work you're doing, somebody could hire you from anywhere. So why don't you sort of lay down your resume a little bit? What kind of work are you capable of doing? Well, before I broke into the into the uh, dispensary business, I was a uh, software developer, and I have a bachelor's degree in computer science i've been programming for you know for 20 years 25 years (laughs) yeah i can build websites pretty much any or or apps i worked for a big company for a number of years and i was pretty doing fairly well you know i had my own house and i had an income and all that stuff i was a smart guy but now i'm just a you know a five count felon living out in the desert you know (laughs) <laughs> but I but I have created another a pretty cool company living out here. I call it Villasana, which means Apple yeah. and Navajo. And and we have the Navajo okay. Indians they live around here. And so yeah. and so uh we sell I created a whole line of uh, products that the Navajo people make. Uh for example, Apple watch bands, silver turquoise and silver Apple watch bands. So I architectured it all out and made templates and had some uh, Navajo Indians make me some watch bands. And and uh, then I also built an app that changes the face plates of the, of the Apple Watch, the background and stuff. And actually, that's up on the Apple Store right now for free. And uh, Bill Asana Dot can buy their Apple Watch bands and other Native American Apple accessories. So, you know, I've been, I've been trying stuff, but... Nothing's really kicking in yet. That we'll be able to find something for you. Um, I, I didn't know what kind of work you did, but uh, that kind of work could be done anywhere. So you don't need somebody right. that's local to you uh, to to bring you some work. Right, right. Yeah, I can work remotely on the uh, computer. Well, there you go. So. All right, Charles. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to uh, – uh, to say to the listeners or, or anything that, you know, we can we can bring to this. Well, I appreciate you, uh, Joe, for, for uh, you know, giving, giving me a chance to get my message out there. I appreciate all the work you do. I know you've been through the grinder yourself. And, uh, you know, that's one thing that 
once you go through the grinder, you can understand how other people feel, you know, about and what what's happening to them, you know. So I appreciate the work you do, and and I appreciate the support from the people that have shown a lot of support for me, you know, and uh, just hope to have my freedom here soon, you know, and hopefully a lot of other people also. Well, I, I would like to. Uh... I don't think we ever officially did it. I don't know if we did or not, but I want to make sure that you realize that you qualify for our Hardway membership. And what that means is anybody that's ever been locked up even for a day for this plant uh, qualifies to be a member of our organization. And uh, I'd like to uh, offer you a membership. I think you're already on our member page, so you're definitely, um, you know, part of the family. We're kind of a dysfunctional family, but we're a good loving family and and we mean well, and we're we're here to we're we're in it for the long haul. We're not going to quit till till this madness is over. Right on, yeah, definitely sign me up. I think I'm already signed up, but sign me up again. <laughs> well, you're officially signed up now. If you weren't, you are now. And you don't need any money. All right. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take your money. All right. Anyway, <laughs> all right, Charles. Well, I'll, I'll get with you tomorrow, and and we'll talk about uh, some ideas. I'll be thinking about ways that we can. Uh, uh, work both to get you some work and, and to um, maybe get some support for your case. All right. Well, I appreciate it. You betcha. All right, folks, Charles Lynch. Actually, wait, before you go, how would somebody get a hold of you directly if they wanted to? Well, I have my uh, – you can Google my name, Charles Lynch. It probably show up somewhere in the list there. Or, or uh, I have my website, www.friendsofccl.com. Uh, I think you can even type charleslynch.com, and it'll take you to my Facebook page, I think, or somewhere. And uh, So, yeah, I'm on Facebook, on link, uh, LinkedIn, and uh, Twitter everywhere. So, and if they need my number, I don't know if you want me – probably they could get my number. It's all up on the Internet there, so if they want to call me. Not a problem. All right, Charles. A pleasure to have you aboard, and uh, I'll reach out to you tomorrow through Facebook and uh, – We'll coordinate this. All right. Appreciate the call. You betcha. All right, folks. Charles right, Lynch you. from New Mexico. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's stuck between the worlds. He's uh, been convicted in a federal case, uh, been sentenced, but he's out on appeal, thank God. Um, but he's sort of stuck. And, you know, I went through being stuck for six years, and I was so exhausted by the time I was done I, I don't know what it would have been like to go another four. Um, you know, it, you're at their mercy when you're in this state. They can tell you to come in and take a piss test. They can tell you you can't move there. They can kind of do whatever they want. Um, and the judge could remand you to custody if he decided he wanted to. So, um, you know, let's just hope that uh, Charles stays out until the court realizes that this should have been overturned. And, Maybe Charles's case will be one of the ones um, that sets the dominoes down for for many and hopefully all of the rest. All right, we got just enough time, I think, to get the NorCal report. I was certainly hoping to get a report on uh, the Peterson case, but uh, nobody's called in for that. Hopefully, we will. If you want to call in to this show, all you got to do is dial six four six nine two nine. Two four nine five, and if you've got an update, if you've got uh, anything you want to share with us um, on a future show, you can 
put together a little MP3 file and email it to me. Um, easily done. I'm, my email contact is easily found. Um, we're going to do the NorCal report up next. Um, I think we got time for that. I just want to talk again a little bit more about this project. Um, one of the things that I was hoping Lisa Sublet would join us today, but uh, I know she's got a lot going on. Um, there is an element that Charles was talking about where the government officials are stuck on the notion that the federal government laws are the supreme law of the land, which they are. However, we have a Tenth Amendment, and the Tenth Amendment is supposed to make the case for states to be able to do their own thing, their sovereign states, and their the federal law is supposed to govern certain elements, uh, but not everything. And so um, Lisa's got a post up here. I'm just going to read. This is from Congressman Kevin Yoder uh, from Kansas on the Supremacy Clause. And uh, this is an important point, and I want us to put this point in our quiver and use it as needed because this is something that if we can get this message out and get enough elected public officials to get this, maybe we can – uh, get some case law to stand behind it. Um, Congressman Kevin Yoder has to say, uh, this is what he has to say on the issue of federal and state supremacy. Quote, even if the federal government cannot mandate that the states adopt banning marijuana, the constitutional doctrine of preemption generally prevents states from enacting laws that are inconsistent with federal law. Under the supremacy clause, if a state law that conflicts with the federal law, the state law is preempted, therefore void. Courts, however, have not viewed the relationship between state and federal marijuana laws in such a manner, nor did Congress intend that the CSA displace all state laws associated with controlled substances. And this is powerful right here. Instead, the relationship between the federal ban on marijuana and the state medical marijuana exemption must be considered in the context of two distinct sovereigns, each enacting separate and independent criminal regimes with separate and independent enforcement mechanisms, in which certain conduct may be prohibited under one sovereign and not the other. Although state and federal marijuana laws may be logically inconsistent, a decision not to criminalize or even to expressly decriminalize conduct for the purposes of laws within one sphere does nothing to alter the legality of the same conduct in another sphere. And if you, this is posted on the UCCA, we're going to post it some other places. If you look at the language and take a minute with it, it's powerful and it's true and it's accurate, and it's the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes the law was written in such a way with an intent, and then it gets bastardized, just like California's uh, medical marijuana laws. It's, it's, it was written with a very clear intent, and the, the elected officials all over California have just stomped on it because it was written in a, in a vague way rather than a very specific way. Um, and it was intended to open the door rather than to close the door. Same thing here. So pay attention to this. It, it puts a very specific message into it, and um, I just really, really want to uh, share that. Um, 
Oh, here we go. I got Janice here. See if this works. Janice, welcome to the show. Hi. You're you're live on the air here. Um, yeah, so how are you doing? I'm doing good. Hold on, everybody. This is Janice Davis from our Friendly Manitoba chapter. And when uh, we were talking about uh, uh, Winnipeg and, and the uh, the efforts going on over there, Janice is one of our chapter coordinators uh, from this amazing chapter, just for a heads up. Um, yeah, I guess I was going to call in to let you guys know how the Hemp Fest Expo here in Winnipeg went. Um, Devin, Mike, and myself um, set up a booth, and we put up some of the um, banners that we had, and we brought some information um, on jury notification. We brought some brochures and ribbons, etc. Um, this was Winnipeg's first Hemp Expo Cannabis or Cannabis Expo, and it was a, it was a success. Um, it, it, it actually exceeded uh, the company's expectations for over 70 vendors, and it included two nonprofit organizations, which was the Human Solutions International and the PTSD Alliance of Manitoba. <laughs> yeah, so THSI was well-received by the attendees both days, and we were engaged in great conversations about jury nullification, which lots of uh, people were unaware of. Um, we talked about the criminal offenses and penalties in cannabis in Canada after legalization. We talked about court support with people. Solid. We talked about the solidarity ribbons, how THSI was formed, and many other topics. And we gave away many brochures, and many attendees walked away wearing a ribbon. <laughs> so, so yeah, it was um, it was really it was really engaging, and it was we had there was a good turnout, and it was just. Um, really nice being with other members of the community that participated in other vendor booths, etc. That's fantastic. I did notice um, I'm an admin on the Manitoba uh, chapter page, and I noticed that you did get at least one response from somebody that you spoke with, and it was very positive sounding. Um, yeah, um, there was somebody. He was. I can't remember all the details, but he had been doing some petitioning, and he was interested in our organization and being part of it so when we have a meeting we plan on connecting with him and inviting him to our meeting sometime towards the end of november and we did meet up with a few people that showed up at the meet and greet um oh, that good. we're going to invite to the meeting as well so so yeah so it went well and um we got some awareness and a lot of people asked how long we were there and um, they were surprised that we've been there for four years, and they had mentioned that um, when they walked around that a lot of people were only, you know, together for like a year or so or just new. So they were surprised we were four years, and they hadn't heard about us. So this was actually a great opportunity to put ourselves out into the community where people from know, all over were coming in, and there were people from all across Canada at this expo as vendors. So, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, well... You guys are officially veterans in the movement now. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so what was it like? I mean, I can remember the first time we did an event, and, um, you know, it was it was kind of exciting to be part of something that's, you know, that much bigger than yourself. And to get to be recognized, you know, as an organization, it's, it's got um, – you know, it, 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 it's very gratifying on one level, and, and it – it gives a it gives a true importance of what we're doing. Yeah, it sure does. It did feel good, and I, I know too. Like just even watching Devin uh, talk to to different people, and Mike talk to different people with different different um, you know 
questions that they had on themselves. Um, you could tell that they were looking for someone to talk to, you know, about their situation, like whatever situation they were in. So Mike, you know, with his experience and his, his um, you know, the in, you know, the wide range of knowledge that he has, you know, he was able to have some great conversations with different individuals. And I don't know, it, it was really good. So it was, um, there's always going to be people going to jail. And even after the announcement yesterday with our, our legalization framework, um, they were, I guess cannabis is going to be sold in retail stores and they're going to have to be, be purchased from the Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, which is which will source products from federally licensed producers, and safe storage and shipment of products will be managed through the Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, owned and operated facilities, and are contracted by third parties licensed through our Liquor and Gaming Authority. So even after all this, um, after cannabis legalization 2018, there's still going to be good people risking jail time for growing up plants. And there will still be a thriving black market, I can assure you. And until yeah, we that's for sure. end this, uh, it's not going to end. People are not going to be able to participate. It's uh, more for, you know, big business and people that have money and people who have, have their business um, knowledge and backgrounds and that can, you know, rise above all of, all of you know, the smaller people that wanted to participate. Well, I think that um, one of the most valuable things that comes from an event like this is you get an opportunity uh, to speak to more people and you refine your message and your speaking abilities. And just the fact that you're here on this show right now is exciting because you you have come out so far uh, from from uh, just being so shy and, and, and hardly able to get you out here. Even when I, when I drug you in, you did this one on your own, and I'm real appreciative. I still don't like it that much, but I know it's important to do, and I do like talking to you. So. Well, you're doing a great job. I, I'm so proud of, of you guys and, and, and the chapter out there. And uh, we've got big plans. We're, we're, we're growing a lot of, uh, of plans. I, I, I didn't really spend a lot of time with you on this UCCA project, but we'll talk about it uh, more. I knew you had this event going on, and I didn't want to – uh, get in the way of it. So, um, but we'll talk more about this. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Todd, but we'll be working more closely with him as well. Okay, that sounds good. Beautiful. All right, well, thank you so much for being here. Um, again, Janice Davis from the Friendly Manitoba Chapter, and uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Okay, me too. Thank you so much for having me on the show. You betcha. All right, take care. Okay. All right, we've got just a couple of minutes left i got enough time for Tom Corby, though. Tom always gets the floor, and he gets as much time as he needs because he is Tom Corby. Welcome to the show, Tom. Oh, thank you, Joe, Becca, always, Bobby Rodrigo, uh, Coffee Party Radio Show for what is, for sure, a historical show. Nobody does it like Joe. Uh, <laughs> Plenty of people I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I always good. like to start. I think it's so important for defendants out there when you first come from. And one of our mottos is, and I'm going to read it again right here. Have you or someone you know been arrested for cannabis? If so, believe me, 
you're going to be scared. And like Joe said, you don't want to have to go through this. And not only that, you're going to be misled. You won't know where to turn. You're going to be lost, alone, and broke. They will break you also in spirit. Do you know your rights? Yes, you'll be afraid and unsure, and they're going to intimidate you and actually lie to you. Seems to be okay. Joe can tell you we've been through this, and we can help. Demonstrationinternational.org. Come join us. Help be the solution to finding and prohibition. So in Northern California, I always report how we're setting huge precedents up here, and we still are. In the last six months, we've had a jury 12-12 acquittal with the grand. We've had Alex Lyon dismissal and another dismissal. We got James Ben on his boys up there in Limbo. They don't know what to do. And why is that? Also, we have Frank, Frank Canan and Ray Sharp right here in Butte County, NorCal, had their cases dismissed. Now, what's that saying? And folks say, how are we doing this? Joe taught me early. The word avocation is so important. Comfort a defendant when they first get out of jail. We try to be there for them. And first thing is, is try to calm them down. Like I, Don and I were, when we first got out of jail six years ago, we didn't think we were going to make it. Advocacy is so important. And just to be there for a defendant, can you imagine just getting out of jail? Like our friend from Morro Bay. Everything's taken from you. How it disrupts lives and family. So, what I'm going to tell you, I always say, first thing is, you can file yourself. You can't count on your PDs, but on the other hand, you can use your PD to buy more time. Generally, you're going to need more time, not only to build your case, the DA also needs time to build his case. And we also have DAs now that need more time. We've never had that in Butte County. And so we've had uh, one acquittal and four dismissals just in six months up here. My calendar used to be full all the way across till I joined the Human Solution. I started coming for others with core support as they came for me. Joe's, Joe and his crew have been up here twice for us for one of our six pre-trials. What's that say? What a waste of time and taxpayers' money. Really disrupted our lives and all our family and kids. So I've been given all these defendants two to one and even three to one odds that their case will be dismissed. None of them are going to take it. Even with Eric Pierce coming up here uh, on the 15th of this month at 1.30 p.m., uh, that's number one course street right here in Oroville. Uh, it's on the human solution, international dark org. We, we, uh, advise you not advise. We 
suggest that you go there, uh, post your case so we can build core support or, or events that have to do uh, with civil rights case uh, and a cannabis. And uh, I always think that if there's no victim, how can there be a crime? So we always ask for local courts suggest. And like Joe said, we used to get 30 50 court supporters. Joe had 150 court supporters when he won his first trial. Now we can't seem to get much support. I'll tell you right now, if you just get one or two or three of the right people there that can give them just a little bit of legal strategy and guidance, they'll all tell you, like Ray Sharp, Frank Canan, Alex Lyon, Dan Levine, all of them will tell you how much it means to have that support there. I have a message from our friend and brother with the Human Solution International, John DeBong. I could talk about John and what I'm I'm going to post his message here, and maybe we can get you all up here and crew. Hey, brother, World Series over. I'm back from Mexico. So once I finish up some stuff this week, I'm going to be setting up at least one sesh a week down in Sacramento. I want to dedicate a third of the money to the table as the Human Solution International passing out information. I'm going to give away my RSO, which he has terrific medicine, oils, like Joe Grumbine down at Willow Creek Springs. I want to donate to the vets as well down there, and we'll be selling some stuff. So let's plan on getting together this weekend in Sacramento and see if we can work something out. So here we got a booth, Joe, if you can make it up. Well, he says every Sunday, so we'll just get you up here and set up a booth, pass out information, go viral, and get the word out. A whole box of our new brochures, so feel free to give a bunch of them. We'll get you up some new ribbons, too. Right. right. I, I couldn't quite get that. What was it? <laughs> no, I right. said we, we, gave, we gave you a box of our new brochures, and I will make sure there's plenty of ribbons for you as well. Right. I have a lot of I have a box of brochures that I can always use some some of the some of your awesome ribs, the original uh, ribbons down there. So thanks, sure appreciate it. And our friend in Morrow Bay, and uh, this mandatory minimum sentencing's got to go. And uh, I've, I've never heard of a case of uh, contributing to a minor. And it can, I, it's hard to believe 21 years old that you can lose your life in a war at 18 and they're putting 21 years old on this. So you know what? I think you just bring that really hard and uh, bring, in a, bring in an injunction and lawsuit against them. Uh, that comes to mind to me. Hey, Joe, I want to thank you and all today coming together, helping to be the solution to end prohibition, and don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. 
Thank you, as always, Tom Corby. And uh, I'm, I'm going to figure out how to get up there one day soon. I'm going to be flying, not driving. I'm all done with that drive. But there's an airport in, in Sacramento. There's an airport in Redding. So uh, we'll get up to you sooner than later. All right, everybody. I want to thank Tom Corby, Charles Lynch, Janice Davis, Craig Cecil, Todd McDougall, and Becca Nichols for helping out doing the screening today, and uh, everybody who was on the show, and of course, Lisa Wildridge for shooting the live stream. Um, thank you all for being here, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were all.